0: Matthew chapter 5, we have been studying in recent weeks the first 12 verses of Matthew 5, commonly referred to as the Beatitudes, Christ lays down um, attitudes, heart conditions that we should have so that we can know the blessing of God, so that we can know... um, God's best in our life, God's peace in our life. And we have seen that uh, the first four, the poor in spirit, they that mourn, the meek, those that submit to God and give up their rights, and those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, all deal with our, our attitude, our relationship with God. And then he goes in and he said, we looked at last week, blessed are the merciful. And I trust this week, I was going to say, I trust you had opportunities to show mercy. I know you had opportunities to show mercy. I trust you showed mercy. Every day we have opportunities to show mercy in so many ways. And I trust that you did. Now, verse 8 is what we're looking at today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When we moved to the location we live now, there were a number of large oak trees on the property, um, basically in the yard or between the house and the barn, and We noticed that some of them, near the base of the trunk, it was kind of hollowed out. And we noticed that not only was it hollowed out, it was really hollowed out. But the amazing thing is, the tree had leaves and acorns, and and it it would amaze us. Well... Eventually, um, a storm would come and we had several of them go down, not all at the same time. But it's interesting, when they went down and then you started cutting in to cut them up, you started to see that in in a trunk like this, that it was, there were parts, it was all hollowed out. There was uh, the, the outer part of the tree was about like this, and it was incredible. I, I'd cut that up, we'd cut that up, and I'd think, how did this tree stand that long? How did it continue to, to have acorns and leaves and everything? And yet it was just a matter of time. There was another one, and it was a matter of time until it went down. Why? Because it was hollowed out in the middle, and, and it looked to a casual passerby, it looked like that's a great oak tree. In fact, the other day we were looking at some of the oak trees that are still there and thinking, um, when's this one going to come down? Is it showing any... Thankfully, it's not showing any hollowed out or any split yet that that we're able to notice because when it goes down, if it goes down on its own, it's going to go down right on the house, all right? but um, But when the inner part is hollowed out, it's just a matter of time until there'll be a catastrophe. Jesus is dealing with that very issue in this beatitude, and he's dealing with the heart. The heart in Scripture is most commonly referred to what we would consider the mind, the thinking part of it. It does involve the emotion, which is part of the thought, but it, it's really The source of our personhood. It's the the symbol of who we are in the inner person. Now, Jesus lived in a time where there was great emphasis upon not the heart, but the external. The Pharisees in particular, it was all about the appearance. It was all about how things are how they appear to others, and it did not emphasize a change of heart. You keep these laws, you keep this, you do this, and it didn't emphasize the heart. Jesus Christ came on the scene and he immediately went to the heart. Everything he dealt with, dealt with the heart. Why? Because he knows there is no change unless it begins in the heart. And in in looking at this, it is important for us to understand a number of things about our heart. Number one, by nature, my heart is evil. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Our hearts, from the very moment of conception, are evil. It's a continual fountain of evil, if you please. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19, it says, For out of the heart proceed... Now listen to the things that come out of the heart. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these are the things which defile a man. And Jesus was addressing the Pharisees, said, hey, your disciples um, ate with unwashed hands. And Jesus said, yeah, that may be true, but he said, don't have a hissy fit about that. That's not going to defile them. What defiles them comes out of their heart. And you notice the list of what he said evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. This is it's it's like our heart is a is a fountain, a spring, if you please, of evil. And out of it comes that, and our heart is easily to deceived to think, well, yeah, that's true for their heart, but My heart, yeah, there's some things where it's not quite right, but it's not too bad. No, my heart is deceitful. Everybody say that together. My heart is deceitful. Now say, your heart is deceitful. Ready? Your heart is deceitful. But who is deceived with our heart? Our heart likes to deceive other people, but our heart deceives ourselves. And in understanding and embracing, my heart by nature is evil. And then to realize, God knows my heart. Remember in 1 Samuel, when God was choosing a king and sent Samuel. And God said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So, here we, here we have, my heart is evil and God knows my heart. Do you understand? No one else knows your heart. There may be a select few people in your life that you give them a little glimpse of part of your heart, but no one on the face of the earth really knows your heart, but God does. And do you understand, we don't really know our own heart. But God knows our heart. There is nothing hidden to God. Our heart is laid open before Him. And it is out of the abundance of our heart that our mouth speaks. Many events that happen in life are only explainable in light of the heart's condition. How did that happen? You have to trace it all the way back, and it goes back to the heart. And to think about it, we sang, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and my heart is evil, and God knows my heart, and yet he commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. you understand the heart is what really matters to God? I could just say the heart is what really matters. Period. The psalmist said, God, I know you desire truth. In the inward parts. God is far more interested in what we are than in what we do. Because what we do is the result of what we are. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. We read earlier, he that comes to God must have clean hands and a pure heart. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. And notice verse 25. We mentioned Jesus came on the scene and he deals specifically with the heart because he knows out of the abundance of the heart everything happens. Guard your heart. For out of it are the issues of life, it tells us in Proverbs. Notice verse 25 of Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, That the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and full of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Jesus Christ cuts right to the chase, cuts right to the heart of the matter, and literally says the problem here is you look good, you make it look nice, you paint this sepulcher that is full of rotting dead man's bones, you paint it white and it looks good, but he said inwardly it is putrid, it is disgusting, it is nauseating, and he deals with why, because the heart is what matters. And so Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A pure heart. We want to list some things about a pure heart. A pure heart is, is free of impure mixture. It is unmixed. It is unadulterated. It is unalloyed. It is, it is not mixed together you know I commented a couple of weeks ago about water I've yet to see um, bottled water say this is 95 percent pure water we don't we don't know what the other five percent is you'd say well that'd be ridiculous absolutely why because whatever's mixed with what we're desiring taints it We don't know what it is, so I'm not going to take the chance. But we know what it is in our heart, and our heart is evil. How can I make that a pure heart? Number one, it must be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, Hebrews 9.22, there is no remission of sin. There must be a radical change in. In our heart, we are born with an evil, sinful nature, and that must be changed. That must be um, addressed and dealt with. And Jesus is saying, before you ever see me, there has to be a very profound change at the very core of your being. It's not about religion. It's not about the outside It's about the inside, a dramatic change on the inside of us. It's a dramatic change in our heart. So what is God looking for? He's looking for a clean heart, and the heart can only be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have that old, stony heart, and it must be transformed by the power of God. At the very nature of our being, so that His righteousness is put on our account. We mentioned last week or two weeks ago that it's that God now sees us when His blood is applied, He sees us as though we lived Christ's life. That we were, it was Christ's life that was put on us. And He gives us a new nature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things become new. We have a a new element in our life. It's called the Spirit of God. We have the forgiveness so that our sins are forgiven. We must be cleansed by the Word of God. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. A pure heart begins with Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. But then, a pure heart must continue to be purified by the Word of God. In John 17, Jesus, speaking to to those following Him, said, Sanctify them through My Word. My word is truth. Sanctify, set them apart from sin, purify them through my word. My word is truth. You cannot have a pure heart and neglect the word of God. You can't have it. The word of God is what washes us. And we continually need the washing of the water of the Word. Why? In this world, our, our natural heart is prone to the evil. And, and we're like magnets to evil that just living this life, our heart is prone to that. And we need to continually be bringing us back. No, what does the Word say? And we need to sanctify ourselves through the Word of God. We purify ourselves by the Word of God. In order to have a pure heart, we must continually be exposing ourselves to the Word of God. And then thirdly, we must be purged of wrong motives. Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and he said to him, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. Faith that is free of any ulterior motives. Out of a pure heart. This is where our heart is easily deceived. Why do we do what we do? Why why do we attend church? Why do I give? Why do I read my Bible? Or why don't I read my Bible? Why do I... In any area of life, not just spiritual, why am I nice to some people and I'm not nice to other people? What is my motive? A pure heart deals with our motives. And this is where it really gets a little tricky in our lives because often we never even take the time to think about why we're doing what we're doing. And many, many times, the fear of man enters our life, and we do what we do because of someone else. A pure heart not only is purged of wrong motive, it is single-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, James tells us in James 1. But in James 4, he says, Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. A a divided heart would be impurity. I have Christ and something else. That's not a pure heart. Purity of heart has no deception, has no double-minded, has no divided allegiance. A pure heart is a heart that has nothing to do with falsehood. It is painstakingly truthful and free from deceitfulness. See, deceit is what you do when you will two things, not one thing. You will to do one thing, and you want people to think you're doing another. See the divided heart. This is what I want to do. This is what I do. But I'm going to give the impression to the other people that I'm doing this. That's not a pure heart. That's a divided heart. Purity of heart is a desire to one thing, namely to seek the face of the Lord. See, a divided heart. You have a desire to feel this way, but you want other people to think you're feeling this way. What happens? It happens all the time. We're feeling sorry for ourselves, we're having a pity party, and we show it in different ways. And somebody notices and they say, What's wrong? And what's the most common response? Nothing. You know, we don't walk around just saying to people completely out of the blue, what's wrong? We may say to people, whoa, you know, scare them or something like that. But we don't go to people and say, what's wrong? I mean, when you see a guy walking down the street, happy as can be, what's wrong? No, you don't do that. So right away, we're showing we have a divided heart. If, if we want to feel this way, we, we are feeling this way, sorry for ourselves, and someone says, what's wrong? Nothing. Now, there's all kinds of reasons, and we're not going to chase that, why we say nothing. But do you understand, often in our life, we want to appear as something that we're really not. That's not a pure heart. You say, well, you want me to walk around and just be honest and tell people I think you're an idiot? Well, you know, that comes back to a heart issue. You need to change the heart of how you view the other people. You know, sometimes I'm just being honest. I told him I thought he was an idiot because that's what I think he is. See, that reveals a heart issue. We don't see him the way God does. And we'll get to that in just a moment. I read a, a counselor said that he often tells those that he counsels, you are only as sick as your secrets. The more you have to hide, the sicker you are. And he's not just talking physical sickness. If you have a lot of secrets you are really sick. If you have a lot of secrets, you're really impure. The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of love unfeigned. A pure heart must be cleansed by the blood of Christ, must be purified by the Word of God, must be cleansed and and purged of wrong motives, and must be single-minded. This, I'm, I'm not given one image of something that's different here. I, I am committed to being like Christ. I'm committed to seeking the face of God. And then lastly, a pure heart is rewarded by God. Honestly, as as I studied on this and and thought about this, I thought, What is there in here that will make us really want a pure heart? Because it's a battle. It's tough to have a pure heart. And to say they shall see God. Well, you know, honestly, um, someday everybody will see God. Some will see him as the judge and, and bear judgment. But um, to see God, well, I'm a Christian, I've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, so uh, ultimately I know I'm going to see God, and someday we'll see Jesus face to face. But until that time, to have the eye of faith, and to see God, when they use this term, it's, it's, a, it's a term that is used that signifies, in a sense, a personal relationship with God. It's enjoying His favor as seeing a thing that not only see Him as my judge, but as my friend, particularly enjoying His favor and protection. Besides dwelling eventually with Him in His kingdom, it means seeing God in His creation, seeing His providence at work in my life, seeing God as I read the scriptures. It's not just a history book. It means seeing God in my circumstances. It means. The personal relationship, it it means God is alive in my life. We mentioned this morning in Hebrews 11. It said of Moses, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured the affliction, the persecution. He endured how? Why? Because to him, God was real in his life. There are going to come days when you're going to wish you, you could see God. There are going to come days in our life when you're going to wish you had a pure heart and you were going to wish that you knew by faith that God is here. It's a spiritual perception to see life from God's perspective. That is to see life accurately, you know. Any, as I was thinking about this, if I don't see life from God's perspective, I don't see life accurately. You know, you go to these carnivals or state fair or whatever, and they have these weird mirrors. You know, and and it's all it's always funny. Skinny little kids like to go to the mirror that make you look, you know, broader, and and people that are more broad they like to go to the one that makes you look skinny, and that's kind of how we are in life. That we like to go where things make us look the way we think we want to look, but God looks on the heart. And when we look at life by any view other than God's, we're seeing it in a distorted mirror. It may make it look good, but you're going to find out you're going to step into reality and it, whoa, is that how it really is? And seeing, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see life as God sees life. They shall see God in life. They shall know the reality of God. That's why you battle for purity. That's why you say, no, I'm not going to let that come into my heart. There's all these things that want to come into our heart. That's why you guard your heart with all diligence. Purity of heart helps us to know God's will, to see His purpose, to understand His ways, and to understand nothing else can satisfy the eye of man but seeing God. Nothing else can satisfy. So the bottom line that I want to challenge you with, to take this to heart, is to begin praying, and I would encourage you to pray every day this week, God, show me my heart. God, show me my heart. And give God time to deal in your life, because we are all easily deceived. I mean, isn't, isn't this the way it is? Everybody else around can know a person's bitter, but that, I'm not bitter. See, we're, we're blind to our own hearts, every one of us. And, and as a believer, to, to everybody here, I'll say, to say, God, show me my heart every day this week. Make that your prayer. God, show me my heart. And be prepared. He's going to, you may see some things you don't want to see. You will see some things you don't want to see. Because God's still working. But you'll want to see that so that you can deal with it so God can be even more personal and real in your life. There's some of you here that God's going to show you your heart is completely full of sin and has never been forgiven because you've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin. There's others that God's going to show us our pride. He's going to show us motives why we were doing this. That's why we get upset about something. It didn't produce what I thought. No. Did you have the right motive in doing it? If you did, you could do it. And whatever it produced, that was up to God. It didn't matter. He's going to show us some motives. He's going to show us a divided heart that we want to live this way in our heart, but give the appearance that we're living another way. To say, God, I want you to show me my heart. I desire a heart that is unmixed in its devotion and its motivation. God, I I want a heart that is unmixed in its devotion and also in its motivation. Why am I doing what I'm doing? He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Are you willing to take the challenge to every day this week say, God, show me my heart, and seek to open yourselves to God to say, God, here is my heart. I want you to show me my heart, and I want you to develop a purity in my heart because I need to see you. I need to see you not just in eternity, I need to see you now. I need to see you, life from your perspective. I need to see God in life. I need to see you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us these clear instructions. And Lord, it is impossible. There, There is no way we can have purity of heart apart from you. And I thank you for the blood that covers our sin. And then for the working of your spirit that leads us in this process of sanctification and and purity of heart. And Lord, I pray that we this week would sincerely and honestly pray, Lord, show me my heart. And then, Lord, I pray as a result of you showing us that we would know the power of your spirit at work in our hearts. to have pure hearts that we may see you. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here today and you'd say,